0: Well, look, it's not exciting to cheers to Thanksgiving. We get that, but come hell or high water, it seems that in a few days, the calendar will suggest a milestone has occurred. And honestly, in 2020, just knowing that it seems like time has moved at all is kind of a win. So cheers to you, day on the calendar. You have let us know that there are other days on the calendars after this. (laughs) Is that the inspirational poster
1: of our future generations?
0: Yeah, yeah. Calendar. Just remember, you know there are days on the calendar.
1: Just remember, this is a day, and there are other days that also that's right. exist. <laughs> that's right. Hang in there. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> not even promising for them for the. Not even promising for them to be better. Just to be no. Just to be subsequent. Four. Like that's yeah. as far as we can go. That's as higher as their expectations can
0: get. Yep. Additional. As we encounter time, chronologically, there will be others. (laughs) Hey, everybody. I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix
1: Six, where we have six conversations, drink six beers, write them on a five-point scale, and much like days, move inexorably forward. With varying quality, we cannot promise, uh, except that there'll be more of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The mixx, there'll be more of it. Yeah, the buy Mix-6. the shirts today. Yeah. More podcasts, <laughs> just what you needed. More podcasts. Hey, yeah. we were running
0: out for <laughs> all of your non-commuting. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. we've we've really just stepped in it too late to the party. Uh, waited too long for beards uh just like way too late in the game and now we have a thing that people only listen to and they travel and there's no more travel so uh after this if we could figure out how to not use microphones effectively we will have really hit the trifecta on good podcast
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, <clears throat> hey, if you've never listened to us before, this was a shit intro to what we're <laughs> about to do. But if you have listened to us before, you know that we rate our beers on a five-point scale, and that scale changes from episode to episode, and we've done a lot of episodes. So for today, I've come up with a rating system that is incredibly pertinent only right now. There is no other time where I care about this rating system than during the fall-winter, because generally... I don't wear socks like I do when I have shoes on, but I don't go anywhere anymore. And so I haven't put like a pair of socks on in eight months <laughs> until the other day when my feet got cold and I was like, ah, oh, shit, I got to go get socks out of the sock drawer. And that was when I remembered that I had a sock drawer and that all sock drawers are just the beginning to some fucked up child's fairy tale. Like you just end up diving down in there looking for the one pair of socks you've wanted. Mm-hmm. And then you're in um, some like uh, Neil Gaiman never wear land. So anyways, it just took a turn. I got back from Neverwhere, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, and I remembered how much I hated and loved certain socks. So today we're rating beers based on types of socks. A one is the worst kind of sock, or a terrible beer. A five is the best kind of sock, or a beer that you really want to drink again. Okay, Uh, a one, terrible socks. The little uh, footy some bitches, the ones that, like, just cover your toes and just go over the heel a little bit so that they would look like you don't have any socks on at all under, under your socks? shoes. Yeah, 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 but, like, incredibly thin cotton, <clears throat> barely cover the foot. They used to be uh, all you wore. Well, so I still... That's all low- you
1: had in college.
0: I you're wear around like you're getting ready for ballet practice every day. The but I've gone, for the, I've gone for the ankle low rise now because it gets more coverage and it stays on better. We'll cover the ankle low rise in a moment. Um, mm-hmm. but, the, but the incredibly low-cut, thin cotton footy socks can go to hell. They don't stay on. They're uncomfortable. And much like a beer you don't want to drink, you're, you're mad. You ever fucked with that sock. All right? Uh, a two. Um, just the stock, run-of-the-mill, big cotton boys. Uh, the, the like, uh, knee, shin length, knee length, long, something tube that socks. you imagine. Yeah. Like a gym sock, tube sock, awful, yeah. just awful. Um, your feet sweat. There's no, there's no breathability. They're particularly not good looking. Um, and they kind of make you feel like, but why socks? Like maybe wear flip-flops and I do not support flip-flops. <laughs> um, So much like a two beer, uh, these are socks you don't want to wear. But if you had to put socks on, there are probably some around the house. Um, Okay, a three. Now we're getting into socks that are okay to great. Just a run-of-the-mill ankle sock, like a low rise that comes up just below the ankle. Like it'll be at your shoe line, but not too low as to kind of slip off. And particularly if it's well-fitted. So like a nice moisture wicking, high quality cotton, maybe some mohair. I don't know. You do you. You do you a four quality sock during the winter specifically no other time during the year but man when you want to wear them they do what you want them to do the warm fuzzy guys some wool socks some nice thick the ones that kind of like if when you're walking like on the tile or the hardwood you feel like maybe you're going to slip and fall but it's worth it because your feet are so comfortable and you warm. get those blue terry cloth socks with the grips on the bottoms for the old right ones. Yeah, yeah, totally. Get some, uh, get some su- support cushiony kind of safety socks. Um, and then but you die, because
1: that's what happens to people shortly after they put those on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is kind of a ring situation. Um, <laughs> Saku. Okay, uh, and then uh, number five, uh, just the highest, like, favorite socks in the world to wear, running socks. Good quality, moisture-wicking, thick cotton running socks with the ones that have the little extra heel bump so you don't get any heel rubbage on your tennis shoes or other shoes. They fit snugly. Your feet don't slide around in them. There's not too much slippage. you got coverage on the front and the back. If you can get a quality pair of running socks, you're doing it right. Okay. Back Mm -hmm. up. Okay.
1: Is there a running – like, is there such a thing as a running sock?
0: Very much so. Isn't it just like a sock that you're wearing while you're running? Well, you, you can wear socks while running, or you can buy running-specific socks, yes. They have, sp- they have
1: specialty running socks. Correct. They're made of... Special is it really digest. that
3: surprising? You know how runners are, Caleb. Like they, I know. They have I just run-
1: don't understand. I just, <laughs> you
3: need so much equipment nowadays. See, uh, my five for a sock is a hiking sock. Cause they're like, you can wear them for days. They're super comfortable. There's they can a be-
1: separate one for
3: hiking. Oh, there's there multiple types. Moisture. There routine, it is. And like, uh, like, uh, depends on how warm you get. Like Terex, uh, Gore-Tex. You want the <laughs> waterproof.
1: All socks are for hiking because you're walking around because they're socks.
3: But if you're hiking, but they're specialty hiking socks that are better than that, and they're really comfortable. I'm wearing a pair of hiking socks right now. God, am I? He's he's not not even podcasting,
1: right? Should I have (laughs) podcasting socks on? Oh man, covered
0: above. We're not doing podcasting, right? We've known this. and yeah. i'm not wearing any socks right now so uh i don't even I know what my podcast i'm wearing my socks hiking are. socks right now they're
1: very nice right very proof that they're not but just you're like not hiking so they're anyway. not really a hiking sock yeah they're basically
3: see? there's worm they're, they're thinking of that they're basically slippers and like i i like them that way
0: they're but flippers. not slippers which is another designation of footwear mm-hmm. now yeah but see but but not hiking slippers
1: mm-hmm. yeah there's no hiking slippers i yeah. really didn't yeah. want to start out a, a whole hot dog as a sandwich thing i legitimately didn't know there were <laughs> differences between a hiking sock a running sock and a Mm -hmm. a sock for feet right
3: yeah yeah i guess someone's getting some socks for christmas (laughs) no
1: no no one gets anything for christmas it's 2020 we're moving uh, on to the first segment
0: professionally educated on socks it's time for dissecting our fun
1: Spenceroni, which is your nickname, as everyone knows, all the new listeners we brought in with that great intro. Uh, what do you what are you drinking there, Spenceroni? Oh,
0: <laughs> all right. So let's just for a moment, let's assume a hundred new people were listening to this episode to start, which is a hundred <laughs> too many.
1: So a a hundred percent increase yep. to yep. last month's new listeners. Yes. yes,
0: cool. All right. Cool. How many yeah. of them do you think have made it this far? Over under on
3: 50.1%. 100 percent Oh of them. man.
1: Yeah. I mean, as long as we're living in Dreamland, sure. Yeah. Right. I, Aslan likes it. It's his favorite podcast. He lives <laughs> in your sock drawer. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't rate and review. You think No.
0: He, yeah.
1: But it's Ross
0: Ross Baton's irrational confidence here was infusing. It was <laughs> big 2020 energy. Um Okay. Anyway, what are so, you drinking? We do do that here. We do. So Prairie Artisan Ales, uh, uh, our favorite brewery ostensibly, is now releasing what used to be like a limited release and or tasting room only, Seasick Crocodile, which is their sour ale, but their winter sour ale with a really lovely can, like an ugly sweater crocodile thing. Nice. A sour ale with, now this gets weird, but trust me, it's good, cranberries, ginger, cinnamon. And nutmeg. That's a lot of weird stuff for a sour ale. Yeah. I I don't see
1: the nutmeg that. in there. No, I know. The cinnamon's uh, a reach. Sort of like a... Su- Some of our beers have subtitles by means of escalation. Mm-hmm. Just like yes. it's its peaking towards a climax ingredient where you're just like, why?
3: Why not? Why
0: that one, though?
3: Yep. Just a little hint of fireball, essentially.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, that's delicious. Um, it's Ooh. a five. It's a hard five. Um, is it not flair base? Um, honestly, the nutmeg and the cinnamon take it so far away from their standard just kind of like uh, fruited sour that it's it's genuinely hard to tell, uh, which is something so maybe be because, that's where it came from. Like they were just taking all the sours like it's all flair. We got to go extreme. Get yeah. the nutmeg, <laughs> right? And honestly, that's something I like about it. We've talked about this in the past. That, like, I was getting a little honestly, like, flare malaise. It felt like every sour we were tasting from Prairie was like, what other fruit could we put on top of a flare? It was getting yeah, very we, like ta- Taco Bell menu. Um, we'd gone flare blind. Funda- yeah. yeah, we're fundamentally different. Um, yeah, they were really J.J. Abramsing it. Huh? <laughs> eh? Huh? Eh? Ross, make a make a sound effect. Ew. <laughs> well, I'll be silent for the next hour and 20 minutes, because honestly, I have nothing left to contribute.
3: You peek um, there. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> shut it down.
0: All right. <laughs> Ross pulls the big lever on the podcast engine. Good show, me. Um, anyways, uh, we're into Dissecting Our Fun, where we talk about board games. We do this every episode, so if you're a board game enthusiast, welcome to it. And if you're not a board game enthusiast, hopefully, our stellar descriptions our expert explanations, and our rave reviews will make you a board game fanatic. Caleb, what are we talking about?
1: Uh, We're going to talk about the next in the long-awaited canon of Juve Rosenberg games that Mm -hmm. I've had a chance to play, uh, which is New York Zoo, which is a game that seems like Juve Rosenberg has realized for a moment that the American market of board games exists before quickly hitting you over the head with what is another Euro game about putting Tetris blocks on an individual board, Great, um, which I kind of love as a strategy. Just like uh, it's got this cute little animal theme set in the New York Zoo. Obviously a marrow trash. We put Yuve Rosenberg's name on it. Who wins? Let them fight. And it's Juve Rosenberg. <laughs> because it is a Euro game. And it's uh pretty great as a regard because he's very good at designing them. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a little different for Juve Rosenberg, which is, means I can tell it's a different game.
0: <laughs> but it, um I just assumed it was bear and park with more than just bears in a bigger park.
1: But that's not even a Juve game, like uh it's but yeah, not.
0: No, no, that's
1: a different designer. Uh, but it's like, no. it's, it is Juve Rosenberg's Baron Park. That, that's exactly what it is, yeah. Um, oh. But uh, so it's, it's very interesting. So in New York Zoo, you are trying to build a zoo, presumably in New York, um, and you're giving your player board... And the goal is to fill the board before anyone else. So the game ends rather quickly, which is another thing Juve does very well when he's not designing Feast of Odin. Um, he always leaves you wanting more game. Um, so the game ends instantly once somebody has completely filled their board. Um, the shared space of it is an elephant on, what is this? It looks like a ladder. It's this bizarre ladder board that's not really a board. It's just sort of an organizer for piles on your play space. Sure. Um the elephant can either land on the rungs of the ladder board, which give you uh, a bonus to breeding animals, and I'll get to why that's important, or it can land on a pile, in which case you take that little piece and uh put it on your board. Um and then uh yeah you fill your little pieces with animals from your houses where you're storing them. I believe there are five types. You, you store them on the board and each board is separated by cubes. So the thing is, if you ever fill up an enclosure, if you ever fill up one of your little Tetris pieces with animals, they score, meaning you can, you wipe all of them except one and he can go back in a house and then you grab an attraction. Now, in Baron Park's terms, this is the bathrooms, the food stands, the rivers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the things that will just get you, um, get you space. And it's a first come, first serve market. So, like, if you're the first person to fill up a uh, Tetris space with animals, you are the first person to pull attractions, and so you can get the big nine cube, big circus. Oh, tank. nice. Okay, And that's going to speed you towards winning the game. Um, there's a lot of really interesting setups. So the bigger pieces go on top of the piles. You have to lay the piles down in order. So like the smallest pieces in the game are the last to pick up. But since they are the smallest pieces, they are the quickest to fill with animals. And therefore the easiest to score yeah. attractions with um that's pretty interesting the actual actions of the game are pretty interesting you're just going to move the elephant a certain number of spaces forward and it's any number between one and four two and four or three and five or something for different numbers of player counts but it's it's not tokaido because everyone's moving the same elephant but Mm. the elephant Mm -hmm. is landing on your action which is either going to be to pick up one of those things And if you're going to put that, and or it's to breed animals, which means
0: your animals double in a certain number of enclosures.
2: Mm
0: -hmm, mm So I'm curious. um, We've played a ton of polyominoes, mm -hmm. uh, and we have played a ton of uh, Tetris racing, right? Which is kind of like what a lot of those games turn into. Um, Why this one and not the others, or not this one? Uh, This one...
1: um... This one would be good for ambushing your friends with Euro games, like I mentioned, Mm, uh, because it looks adorable. Um, I have some problems with the color scheme that Sarah pointed out. Uh, Like, for instance, yeah, there are a lot of design decisions. Everything's heavily pastel in here, right? Mm, mm -hmm. Um, This might be a why not the other, why the other ones and not this one. Part of the review. Um, Heavily pastel to the point too much. Um, determining between the spaces of the different shapes is done by color of green. And I mean, shade of green Ugh. and there are four of them. Oh, so no, thank you. There is times where you're just like, what is it? This one is it that is it? This? And you got to really give like this game would be a nightmare for colorblind people. I'm I'm not wild about that. Um, the board is kind of cheap and chintzy. Uh, they give you like really good, cute meeples for the animals, but then they don't give you trays to sort them. They give you this big dump pool tray that's like a cheap piece of cardboard. And you look at something like what Century can do with 20 bucks. Yeah. And they're going to yeah. give you like these fucking chalices upon which to put cubes. So, um, yeah, like they could have done better than that. So there's that kind of stuff. Um, also, the placement rules are super fiddly. Um, so you can place anywhere you want, right? You don't have to place continually out like a bunch of Juve Rosenberg stuff. So you're not building a single shape like you are in like Feast of Odin or something like that, uh, where you have placement rules. You are just, uh, placing anywhere you want to cover these squares and first to finish with, but then it gets fiddly automatically. If you pull a piece that's polyomino, just as an enclosure, You cannot place it down unless you already have an animal in your house, right? Um, If you land on a space that gives you animals, you cannot place it into your... uh, You can either place it directly in a new enclosure or into a house. But if you don't have a house, you can't take it. Um, And then there's stuff like when you breed. So when you breed, they don't make you do the lowlands thing where you have to keep up with exponential sheep until your um, little thing explodes. If there's two or more animals, they breed, but they only add one additional animal,
0: right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, oh, so there's not some, like, infinite scalability to animals? No, to, no, but which, they,
1: eventually, what they eventually creep up um, every time you hit the animal, go past one of the animal breeds markers, right? So the, the animal breeds, uh, then you have the animal, you add the extra animal in there. Um, cool. You can do that up to two times. So if flamingos breed, and I have flamingos in two enclosures, I can do... Uh, a flamingo in each, right? But if I mm-hmm. had a third enclosure of flamingos, they cannot breed. But then there is, in the two- and three-player games, bonus breeding, which means mm. that anytime animals breed mm. in one or more enclosure, mm-hmm. other animals breed no matter the number of animal in that enclosure or if there are enough animals to breed in that enclosure. So if so, I could breed, like, like the two 70s. flamingos and then be like, also, this Arctic fox over here had an immaculate birth mm. from a flamingo mother. This makes no thematic sense whatsoever, and might be the least intuitive things I've ever heard. Well, answers. Nope, I'm Swincer's still here. A
0: blackout. As I saw, the... literally, the power just went off in my house. Um, okay, hey buddy, I'm, not, Are you I'm still here. There? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I just can't see well, you on the webcam. That's okay. I'm not that pretty. Well, let's just keep going, and uh, and I'll flip a breaker when I get back inside, or when I when I'm done with this segment.
1: I mean, I'm almost done. Uh, so, but with all that fiddliness, um, the the thing is, is that if you're a gamer, gamer, if you're a psycho, uh, like me and Spencer, it makes for a much more interesting polyomino game like choosing what to pick because you have stuff in your houses or using your houses as a sort of like an interim holding spot right. for uh, what, because this whole, this whole ladder board is actually circular. So what you end up doing is building these engines of like, Oh, I've scored this enclosure eight times. Cause I keep on getting flamingos, adding flamingos and I got a flamingo game going. Uh, and then you're like, oh. yeah. So like, it's kind of like an engine builder, but but for the polyominoes, and then the weird thing is is that I lost because I was kicking the crap out of Sarah at animal breeding because you know how I am about animal husbandry games.
0: You will breed an animal in a board game faster than any human on the planet.
1: It's always a good choice. It's just always a good choice to do. Uh, Lowlands is a great game. Play it. Anyway, uh, but I was so focused on doing that, and my I just had spectacles out the wazoo. But Sarah won because she was still picking up stuff on the board, which are these big, chunky, like impossible to fit pieces. But she was just picking them up and putting a single animal in them because that's free. You just need one animal and then you can pop an enormous enclosure. Whereas (laughs) I was just obsessed with breeding these animals and stealing up these like really nicely, easily one, two and three spaced uh attractions because they all made Phoenix fit night but she just beat me because she was just like i'm gonna put this big hunker down and worry about filling it later yep um so it's also very interesting because you can kind of do your own like euro game build an engine thing uh but also you can do that too much and the person playing the Amero game of polyomino placement will just kick your ass yeah Uh, so it's tricky i i I don't know if i recommend it or not i don't know who yeah other than me uh right because i like it and we'll play it again <laughs> even though yeah. i have problems
2: with
0: it yeah i'm very curious about it also when you write your memoir about all the time you spent playing games uh, i just want to breed these animals should be the name <laughs> colon the caleb stoke story <laughs> yeah it's very true mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Very uh well i'm gonna go try to turn the power back on in my house and uh <laughs> we'll be back in just a second with another segment Caleb, what uh, what's that? What's that that you're gonna drink there?
1: Uh, this is another one from Stem Ciders, which you may have remember for their tagline. Uh, this is cider, Sparta-like, <laughs> on the can. Um, it this is a salted cucumber apple cider.
0: Mm, no. <laughs> There's three words in there that I like independently,
3: but salt, cucumber,
0: and apple, I think, together don't.
3: Well, don't salt and cucumber right. makes sense. Like that, 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 I can As see that. As a cider? There. As a cider, okay. The first two fit, but like, yeah, the rest of it, it makes no sense. Apple cider makes sense. Salted cucumber makes sense. Together, I don't know. Now, I was skeptical of the lavender, but
1: yeah. that ended mm-hmm. up being pretty mm-hmm. good.
3: Yeah. So. All right. High hopes. They can treat I mean, their shit. They shot. did it for a reason. They weren't, they weren't. It just, smells
0: good. Okay.
3: Perhaps they know something we don't. Impossible. (laughs) I think Uh, they do. Caleb
0: seems, he seems amenable, um, Mm -hmm. agreeable. Oh, he went back again. He, oh, now he's kind of got like a, okay, okay. Um, cucumber is not really my bag as a flavor.
1: It's very, but I will say that that is done well. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I've had uh, the, the saltier side of apple ciders before, and so this tastes very much like that. The salt seems on the apple, not the cucumber.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. But, but mm-hmm. it, does get, it does go into this sort of like um, this sort of briny aftertaste from the upfront sweetness of the apple, and it's, it, it's kind of retronasal in the back of the throat, and I like it. It's, it's okay. like an interesting, held note. Against the apple, it's so four. It's I'm not bored with
0: it. Uh, I, I feel compelled to try the stem ciders now because you've been moved thusly by two of them.
1: Yeah, and from real odd flavors. Like if they put out a rose that isn't dog shit, I I may be a homer for stem at this point. Like they're just <laughs> they're just <laughs> like the comic book sti- artists that are going through stem. the back file and like, well, yeah. I like Moon Knight now. Like yeah, it's just. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for apple
0: ciders yeah uh it's it's very interesting
1: mm-hmm.
0: a rose by any other name is dog shit so, uh, <laughs> that, that famous line from what's this mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um hey we're into sports sportsplainer which is not something we've done in a hot minute it seems um we had to take a real we had to take a minute off after cancel sports uh, and so i think we've just been getting our sports center juice back
1: i haven't um, i haven't
0: amended my take on that so yeah i and and i agree with you more every passing day (laughs) um joey rogers hello joey has suggested what brand of copium love it are sports addicts huffing not counting sports that are putting their players at risk by continuing to hold games which by the way is most sports now how are hardcore sports fans getting by without their fix for example olympics junkies and college sports stands spencer that's me do you have any insight? Maybe. I mean, generally, no, but I might on this. Um, uh, As a rule, a right. don't bet on it. But yeah. I uh, technically, it. I am anti-insight. But for this and this alone, <laughs> I might break that covenant with myself. So um, – I have watched a lot less random sports during all of this. So like a typical Sunday for me used to be like put whatever game was on at noon and then watch football until I fell asleep at like 10 30 or 11 or however long football went on a given Sunday. And Saturdays, candidly, I used to like post up at a bar and just watch college football from 11 AM until who knows what happens. And, um, a not going to bars, uh, even though they would certainly have me and mm-hmm. B, um, the shit show of all of it has been too much for me to ignore anymore. And I, and I find it all, uh, if not, if not dumb, uh, downright irresponsible and offensive. And, um, I don't know kind of like random aside, but this last weekend, the Clemson Florida state game, which was to be a, a fairly big game was canceled like hours before it was to be played on Saturday because a Clemson player may or may not have like tested positive after a bunch of negatives there there was quibbling about the veracity of the test all to find out then that the Clemson coach came out and said actually this was a ploy by the Florida State athletics department to not have to play because they were going to get waxed i mean just the whole thing has become such a fucking theater of, of wait, endangerment wait. they said covid wasn't Calling the game based on COVID was a psyop to avoid having to play. <laughs> Pepe know.
1: Sylvia meme. Okay,
0: okay. Right. Bear with me. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing's a fucking. So uh, how am I getting my fix? One, I have just changed my drug of choice. I'm just not watching as much sports. Um, two, the sports I am watching are either because I have some deep, irrational, uh, uh, well-rooted identity issue related to those sports. Looking at you, Kansas City Chiefs. Or because um, much as the the cheers that we lauded at the beginning of this episode, it is occasionally one of the few things that I can do that feels kind of like things are normal and this is how the world works. And so occasionally sitting down to watch a football game or the basketball, the NBA playoffs, which I thought were done pretty well in the bubble, et cetera, et cetera, or the NBA draft, um, they make this all not feel like the weirdest eight to nine months of my life. Uh, and sometimes you just need, um, they're like a crux, right. Of the reality that once was. And I understand in that metaphor, metaphor, I am Voldemort and I'm fine with all that. I just want to be clear about that. Um, they, they keep me tethered to something that feels better than this. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, other than that, I don't, I genuinely don't know, like, I have a lot of friends who are sports junkies, uh, some as much, if not more than I was. And I, I don't get the sense that many of them have found other ways to to scratch that itch. I think they've just moved on or found other stuff to do. I mean the people that I know that are sports junkies have largely like found a way to resign themselves. Now, there's a whole world of people who are not like me and who who have no cap on their irrational addiction to this thing. And for those people, I'm sure this is all a nightmare and they're still going to games and they're still complaining that Arrowhead stadium is shut down and they're still sending their kids to football practices on, on high school and college campuses. Okay. I don't get that. Not going to get that. Um, yeah.
1: Like um, copium kind of implies they're like getting like in the copium memes I see, at least on the election. It sort of implies that they're like working through stages of grief here before Mm -hmm. realizing something. Um, So I don't think even copium is the right word for sports fans because I just think they're going to not acknowledge it exists until they manifest that reality, Mm -hmm. (laughs) either through uh, just uh, herd immunity or just, well, we didn't care about concussions before. We don't care about your lungs now. Like, I just don't. I, I really don't think they're going to break to the moment. It's like, wow, it's not going to be the way. I don't think it's the way it's used to be or like um, the, the you know, so those are the copium memes I don't see because I, I think the denial will overpower everything. Mm-hmm. Like, because mm-hmm. the denial threatens to overpower me and I don't care about sports, but I mean, in everything else, like the insanity of it, like when you talk about the importance of quarantine and then you go to a, a goddamn grocery store. And like the kids are licking all the cereal boxes and their parents aren't wearing anything and no one's enforcing anything. Um, and you realize that like a quarantine of one is a quarantine of none. Like it's an all or nothing kind of things. So it's how microbiology works and what with an exponential threat. Uh, and you realize, well, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, like, and then I do it cause I'm not a piece of shit. Uh, but, but, we're we're in they call it covid fatigue i don't think it's covid fatigue i think you're just i think you're just (laughs) realizing the boat's sinking and uh you don't want to be the one bailing anymore uh and that's that's fair but like i I wonder if we are not all to become sports fans in a way (laughs) and just Mm -hmm. pretend it's not fucking happening (laughs) because no one's gonna do anything about it uh yeah um, but I, I, what I am interested to hear, because I've heard this from other people besides you, and I don't expect this from you, because you are uh, anti-insight as you are. You do occasionally say insightful things. But, like, being, um, being bothered by, like, the contradictions of it, like, by the ethics of sport as if something has changed during COVID... I find that super interesting because I, I really think that if COVID has done anything besides kill a shit ton of people, it has really laid the um, the contradictions of like capitalism and consumerism bare in a way that like cannot be ideologically denied or processed in any way. Um, so like it's just stuff you could get over because you did have to exist in the system. There's no such thing as ethical participation in capitalism because you you're constrained by it. Um, I do find it interesting that like everyone's ability to do that. And my ability as well, uh, low as it was compared to the average population, but everyone's ability to sort of resolve those ideological contradictions is just plummeting downwards. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. At an inverse inverse ratio to some other number that may be plummeting up, uh, oddly enough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's just everyone's ability to square that circle has gone
0: down drastically. Plummeting up is Shell Silverstein's follow-up to falling up. And <laughs> <Plummeting> up, <laughs> And it, it really tries to capture the, the tone of COVID 2020. Oh, um, man, remember
1: the Trump years where we could, if he had re-won election, we could have made a children's book called Plummeting Up. Donald Drumpy's (laughs) case of the mumpies about his COVID reaction and made $80 billion on Twitter. Man, we really missed the boat on that one, too. We We could have made a bunch of crypto. Yeah, we should have joined the resistance.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, hey, if any of you sports folks are, are, are doing anything different, or if any of you were sports folks who have suddenly just swung hard anti-sport, I'd be curious to hear about that. So hit us up in the comments, um, because Sorry, I'm always curious food. to know how other people are responding to this kind of thing uh, and trying to, trying to square this circle. Uh, and on that note, Joey, thanks so much for the question. Uh, your number one vote getter this week was B-hole-in-one. So we're going to get a beer, and then we're going to do that.
1: ross what are you drinking
3: uh odell uh, has perhaps made uh brewing company has perhaps made the best seasonal ale of the year at least in terms of name uh for 2020 i present to you the isolation ale uh <laughs> it's got a nice little cabin all alone in the mountains around uh, covered in snow uh six percent um yeah let's take a
1: why not just lean in at that point, like with a subtitle for drinking alone, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. just mm.
3: quarantine beer
1: <laughs> party of one, please.
3: I like that. Um, it's got a pretty strong hoppiness to it, uh, but there's also I can also taste like caramel um, and like a little bit of maltiness. Um, so it's kind of like sweet and hoppy, uh, but not like it's not. It's enough sweet that you can like detect it but it's not overwhelming so it's um but yeah it's it's uh very crisp uh uh yeah uh i like it um i don't know but you have to know that's how this
0: all works yeah oh well i
3: mean i don't know like how else to describe it sorry i should be more detailed in that that yeah caramel uh you should describe
0: it with a number uh i should probably and
3: therefore it. a sock
0: yeah
3: <laughs> as is our way i am going to put this i won't it's close to a four but not quite i'm gonna have to round down to a three because uh there is actually now that i could tell there's a bit of an aftertaste for it which is again a little bitter but um yeah i i I mean i'm not uh mad i got a six pack of it but it's i don't know i'm i've never been like a run-of-the-mill ankle sock yeah yeah. i
0: i want to talk to you about rounding because you said it's close to a four so i'm (laughs) gonna round down to a three yeah motherfucker rounding is made for things that are close to higher numbers well it depends on what
3: you use well it's down, election round. yeah. roundings yeah. yeah you go oh, constantly yeah. down well i can't yeah. i can't justify it as a four i guess the I gop say. calls it red rounding yeah uh, i can't really. justify it as a the four, new for mandarin yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh what are we talking well, about that's interesting so this is b hole in one and for all of you new listeners out there joke um, B-hole in one has nothing to do with whatever that Beehole B-hole refers to <laughs> the beer hole, and the beer hole is where we store all of the beer that is sent to us, which is incredibly kind and gracious from all of our wonderful community members. But at some point, we've amassed so much stuff in the B-hole that we have to purge it, or that we use the B-hole as a metaphor to throw beer into or a concept into and on the other side, pull a beer out of. Yeah, so that's B-hole
1: right. Metaphor.
0: It is like our Herodric cube of concept to beer <laughs> or beer to concept. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. what we're going to do in this one, because. Oh, Riley wait, can we
1: throw be- a beer in and a person comes out?
0: Yeah, why not? Why is that? Like Athena from
3: Zeus. I didn't head. know we
0: could
1: weird science this shit. <laughs> but what but, in but this world, changes everything wait is this if, is
3: this a new person that we have to make up or is it like an existing person comes out of oh man well, i don't know
1: i have to this is a whole new world we got to save this
0: <laughs> for its own episode anyway I what just, are we doing because because we're about to throw people in there to get beer out why couldn't we throw beer in there and get people out i thought it was some sort of irreversible process no 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 I, here's what we should really do we should do so zizek can come back Yes, yeah, so we should do a bit where we throw. So it's like a, it's like six degrees of separation. We throw a person in, and a beer comes out. We throw that beer back in, and a different person comes out, and it's like a beehole <laughs> chain. We chain together some bee holes, um, and then you put stuff in the beehole hole, and then I'll put stuff in the bee hole, and then we'll just kind of keep bee holding. Oh
3: man! Um, and then we put in, in beer B-holes. cocktails,
0: and that's when that's, the that's that's uh, that yeah. might
1: be a whole new segment right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the turns B-hole into a John
0: Carpenter movie. <laughs> Yeah, or never mind. Okay, so Riley has suggested in Be Whole in One, presidents, just any period of them that seem interesting to you, we're going to focus directly on the presidents that have been around for our lifetimes.
1: I said made to suffer directly by serving in our lifetimes,
0: but... Same thing, same thing. Yeah, That's yeah. an interesting paraphrase. Okay, sure. So we're starting with Ray, <laughs> and we're going to end on Drumpy. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. okay so we're gonna start with Reagan Caleb you throw Reagan into the beehole what beer comes out I,
1: this this one is a, a no-brainer literally it's a mind eraser because
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what he was drinking uh, for damn sure I also think it works on multiple levels um, I couldn't form memories during the Reagan presidency so I don't know anything about it so that's has mm-hmm. been mind erased mm-hmm. um, when I talk to people that are old about the reagan presidency there's a ton of shit like they don't remember like Iran contra and the aids crisis and other things that they just gleefully forget and what was apparently the utopia that was 81 to 84 uh so there's just a lot of forgetting going on including uh old ronnie where his jelly beans are at so i think exactly right um a really disappointing shot is the only way to uh, represent. Them. Also, I've had You're many, many nights that started with a mind eraser and ended in disaster, much like the American Empire. So,
0: um, again, Ronnie, he works on so many levels. Yeah. So uh, the uh, like much like you, I have no memory of the Reagan period. I, you know, I was all of like two or whatever uh, mm-hmm. during during that. But um, the. Instead, for me, what is relevant here outside of the policies is how people lovingly talk about the Reagan era. And so like when we were growing up, right, the the sun shined on the years that Ronald Reagan presided over this great land. And then you actually start like learning about, you know, the 80s and Reagan and, and Reaganomics and really anything the man did. And you go, oh, that's not good at all um and so for me a beer and and this is in poor taste and i realized that after i chose it and so i don't mean this like that but this is just the unfortunate name of the beer uh it's a rogue dead guy ale not because reagan is a dead guy as i understand it he is in fact dead but instead because christ i hope god instead because um uh that that is the same the the Sales pitch I got about Rogue Dead Guy Ale for years, it was like, the, you got to find it. It's the best beer you're ever going to have. It's going to change the way you think about beer. And then you have a dead guy, and you're like, mm, kind of tastes like SpaghettiOs. And it's not very good. And so for me, it's really about the approach to Rogue Dead Reagan Guy Ale.
1: Instead of listen to a Republican about it, yeah.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. That just That's soupy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Ross, do you have a Reagan beer?
3: Yeah, of course. I think you're overlooking the obvious. It's a Sierra Nevada Hot Bullet.
0: Oof. Oof. Move on. Uh HW. George HW Bush. Caleb, who you got for HW?
1: Well, um, I didn't finish writing this. Um uh so it it's just uh pure pure ethanol in in a cocktail glass with a single ice cube in it. Because um that 's about as appetizing as anyone found the george H. w. Bush presidency, including most of the republican party um and uh it also represents the personality of that stony eyed psycho who like was responsible for no less than three genocides in in South america alone uh and was just an utter monster for every other monster that ever rolled through that White House of Shame. Um, and then to just four years and get saxophoned off the stage by an animaniac's character. Uh, just, yeah, that's the H.W. Bush presidency. Uh, it, it's not appetizing. Um, it'll get you drunk because, you know, we're still flying high off that Reagan shit until that downturn before the Clinton presidency. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just a psycho drink. That's all you get. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I put Coors Light. Uh, it's the beer that I forget about the most, uh, and that's about where I am on HW. Mm-hmm. He was Coors Light is the thing that you drink after you've had some beers that you wanted and some shots, and before you start taking more shots. And uh, if I could describe the period between 1988 and 1992, it would be maintenance before and after shots. Uh, and so Coors Light is metallic and boring and bad. Mm -hmm. And you forgot that you also, like, the next morning when you wake up and you're throwing up and you're like, I only had seven shots. Coors Light is the thing that later you're like, oh, and I had three Coors Lights in between the shots, which is exactly how my brain processes the HW presidency.
3: Mm -hmm. Ross? Ross? uh still water sake uh you know we it, it he threw yeah, up on the japanese pro- yeah it threw up on the japanese prime minister and if that's a beer that can't make you recreate that uh you can do your own his- historical reenactment was right was it then, japan then, or
1: china didn't it was japan up in china
3: he threw it well i don't know he may have but he the one on in japan was the one that made the news that's Why the one he, he threw up on the prime minister Asia? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people do. It's a big <laughs> <place>. <laughs> I
0: think I think a lot of people throw up a lot of places. I, yeah. mean, I just think it's kind of a natural condition. Uh, yeah. Okay, now we're into uh, uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, Caleb. Uh, throw right. him jungle into the beer hole.
1: It's Jungle Juice, and it comes yeah. out in like a big,
0: like on the sidelines
1: of the big game Gatorade mm-hmm. mixer, yeah. like all those parties. Um, now, if you've never been to a Jungle Juice party, First off, Jungle Juice has no quantifiable makeup. Uh, Jungle Juice is just whatever you want it to be as long as there's a lot of sugar to mask the painful alcohol. I've seen them with gin, Everclear, whiskey. There's usually some kind of tang or high high-sea in it, and it's just a sugary nightmare. Um, it tastes delicious, though, uh, no matter what the recipe is. Much like that, Bill Clinton has no actual ideology. He is just whatever you see him doing, at any moment, um, and then much like a jungle juice party, uh, in retrospect, it was a terrible idea. Okay, and an hour on, there's like a bunch of fights happening all over the house, and somebody's getting their stomach pumped on the front yard, and uh, that jungle juice party is the reason you have that mark on your permanent record. And it is a lot of bad, uh, yeah, it's a lot of bad ideas, but it's a lot of bad ideas that sounded like good ideas when they kicked in your door playing jazzy saxophone uh, much like jungle juice does. So I think that's a bill Clinton presidency. And that is a uh, jungle juice evening
0: that mm-hmm. is on the nose. Um, so Clinton, <laughs> Clinton was like uh, the first kind of president for me in my lifetime. I mean, I was six and 92 and, um, Kind of like started to understand uh, some rudimentary version of this whole thing, and Clinton does seem if you kind of look back, uh, Clinton does stand out as being different, right? He was kind of like our introduction into like well, this is all weird and kind of different in, in politics, and in some ways, there are some fond memories of that for there for me I mean, there's some not so fond memories too, uh, and so for that reason, Bill Clinton is a raspberry jam by tallgrass Brewing, which Is making a comeback, as has Bill Clinton, uh, which is surprising. But here we are; it's twenty twenty.
1: Raspberry jam back,
0: right, right. Uh, But raspberry jam was different. It was like uh, it was really the first or one of the first sours. It was probably like my Trojan horse sour that got me into like, oh, I think I like this stuff. Light ABV, can drink a lot of them. Doesn't mm -hmm. taste like beer, like Coors Light. Um, And then it went away. And now it's coming back. And so for me, there's a real introductory effect to Bill
3: Clinton and my political life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ross? Uh, Modelo. NAFTA, baby. Uh, We're trading with Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: We got to get on the phone with with Modelo's marketing (laughs) folks.
3: Ross Payton just double fisting Modelo's
2: NAFTA, baby.
3: (laughs) NAFTA, baby. (laughs) Which is pretty much what they all did after it was passed. Like, woo, free trade, motherfuckers. Uh,
0: Rough Peyton noted free trade enthusiasts. Um,
3: I, I gave well, it that, I gave it modella, all right. You know, don't don't right. read it too much into that. Like uh, right. uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh okay,
0: now we're into W. Uh Caleb, uh pick a, pick throw George W. Bush into the beer hole, which I'm sure you've wanted to do. What comes out on the other side?
1: Uh, it's a PBR cause it's a, uh, low class beer that, uh, rich kids drink cause they want to seem low class. And that's, uh, that's George W. Bush. If you're a hipster gentrifying some space, you're probably drinking PBR, at least until you're comfortable getting something you actually want to drink, um, or within your actual price range, which is significantly higher than PBR, um. And also, much like hipsters and uh, gentrifiers did to PBR, uh, George W. Bush ruined things for me, uh, like my concept of patriotism. So <laughs> as, uh, as the concept of PBR grew distant in my mind and less and less of a shine on it, uh, so did the American flag. And I really have George W. Bush to thank th- for that
0: because, um, yeah, he's terrible just trash. Thanks, W. So um, George W. Bush for me is just (laughs) nearly any IPA. Just pick an IPA, Uh, unless it was an IPA that I happen to really like, which by the way is almost none of them. Um, George W. Bush is nearly any, any IPA. Why? Because we have had the curious problem over the last two years in particular of trying to get a national conversation going that maybe George W. Bush wasn't as bad as we thought he was. Because now Donald Trump. And I feel like every time I tell someone I don't like an IPA, they use the exact same attempted rhetorical (laughs) jujitsu. Well, but it's not as bad. Here, this one's not as hoppy as you think it is. Folks, they're almost all disgusting and every one of them upsets my stomach. Stop. Mm -hmm. I don't want your IPA and I don't agree to your George W. Bush Reformation. That's amazing. That yeah, is that's the good. same
1: rhetorical good. take, isn't it? Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah no. I, Spencer hey, nails w- it. Would you agree that your memories sometimes aren't a hundred percent accurate? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. IPAs uh, are good. Yeah. Right. right. What? What about all the good things
3: George did? Like. yep yeah.
1: And uh, remember when home? he yeah. got
3: reelected by going against gay marriage, trying to make that a constitutional amendment?
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. We all remember. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Uh, um, what are you gonna What are you gonna put in there?
3: Uh, I'm going to put in uh, a Doyle's, or that, that's that's what's going to come out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, we're on to Obama.
1: Uh, Caleb? Uh, it's a Smirnoff Ice. Like, it's sugary. It looks mm-hmm. clean because it's mm-hmm. watery. Um, it's probably 2%. You might as well have not drank it. Mm-hmm. As it, nothing really happened uh i mean it's one step above zima but mm-hmm. may, it's just kind of empty and hollow inside <laughs> and it, it has a sugary outer casing before just a a slurpy
3: nothingness and the more you drink it, the more you regret that you oh yeah it came you got you have a
1: worse hangover for it. that's for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. uh the hangover for an ice hangover is real bad, and mm-hmm. for real an bad. Obama presidency, it turns out so uh, it fits in that regard too. Thank you, producer ross uh, mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: I have a different take here, so as someone who was uh, who is a student of communication has always been fascinated by this notion of a rhetorical presidency and was kind of raised by. Uh, my mom and my grandma who had these fascinations with FDR and, you know, these kind of like grand of the moment, embrace the role, public speaking, uh, uh, public speaking leaders. Obama was like, just, I mean, that it is, he still is good to listen to. Mm -hmm. Yes. He is in a category of his own for me. He of all the people on this list, he is the person that I look back at over the the grand arc of of certainly our time and and, and extending in either direction for probably quite a while beyond that. Um, There are not, there just aren't other people who do that. Uh, And so in that way, it it is like, it's a LaRouche from side project for me. It stands alone in its distinctness for being totally different and something that we're just not going to get, we're not going to get more of that for a Mm -hmm. long time. Like it's hard to find if you want to be in the same room as the guy, you're going to have to stand for hours, and it's going to cost you a ridiculous amount of money, and you're never going to. It's never going to happen again. And mm-hmm. so, in that way, it is distinguishing for me. Uh, Ross, mm-hmm. what do you get for Obama?
3: Um, much like uh, Obama is what most Americans think a leftist is uh blue moon is what most americans think a craft beer is so i <laughs> feel uh, like <laughs> i'll uh i feel like the the appropriate and most people will think that the, this is put you a cut above others by oh i of course i support obama but of course i like blue moon i am a sophisticated i'm a man into, of distinction i'm a man of distinction I love yes, blue blue exactly. moon. so no, it club, it's a corporate Austin. version uh, as blue moon is a corporate version of what a craft beer should be obama's a corporate <laughs> version of what a leftist should be uh, <laughs> well, so, so, yeah.
0: All right, last one. Caleb, throw Trump in there.
1: What if nothing came out? <laughs> what then if we, we perform a heist,
0: right. we kidnap <laughs> the president, mm-hmm.
1: I drag him into my duplex mm-hmm. as he is just baffled how I beat all those, social, those secret service agents. I'm bleeding. I had to fight him off. Uh, right. I'm ready to do humanity's service. He's begging and promising me gold-plated everything. Mm-hmm. I chuck him in, knowing the magic, and nothing comes out. The B-hole no. would have worked. Would, would, have anything worked well. be, <laughs> would anything be more fitting? Like the uncertainty? Wait, does he own the beehole now? Is he in there still, plotting? How did he beat it? How did this thing work in the first place? Uh, the, just the existential terror that results in the beehole not doing its dark work.
0: Uh, that's the only thing that could sum up the Trump years for me. Yeah. You know, I was going to pick uh, Upland's champagne velvet style beer, um, which is to this day, the most disgusting, horrible abomination of a beer I've ever tasted. It made me think differently about the idea of ever drinking beer again, <laughs> um, which is precisely the effect that Donald Trump has had on my belief about the fabric of any of this. Um, but I... But I really like this idea that he's just stuck in there. And so <laughs> I think I just want to go with that. <laughs> okay. Like, what if Bill and Ted got in the uh, in the phone booth and mm-hmm. then it just, it was just gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was just fucking gone.
1: I almost picked, uh, what was it, the still postmodern, postmodern mm-hmm. classic oh, or uh, whatever.
0: Postmodern classic.
1: Because, yeah, Trump did also teach me postmodernism was a mistake. It <laughs> never gave that shit to
3: Republicans. It got
1: oh. out
0: of hand.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, they couldn't be trusted. Ross, what do you throw in there? Uh, Bro, no! Boom! Got him! Uh... <laughs> Man, uh, the or or leaky roof because his buildings suck because he doesn't pay for maintenance. But yeah, Brian. oh, I thought that was
0: going to be a Rudy Giuliani uh, yeah. hair dye leak thing.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, we're not throwing him in there, but yeah, obvi- okay, leaky roof is Giuliani then.
1: But yeah, yeah. Brown, no that comes off of Giuliani, yeah. no
3: magical or otherwise. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, hey,
3: Most thanks like so leaky much f-
0: <laughs> yeah. for the suggestion, Riley. That was B hole in one, and on that note. We'll be right back. We're going to grab some beer, and we'll be back with an Ask Mixed 6 on the other side. Spencer, what are you drinking? I'm also on that Prairie Artisan Ales bullshit Oh, one more time today, and this is, I think... The last remaining Prairie Artisan Sour that we have not had on this podcast that is widely available in distribution. It is the Key Lime Pie, a sour ale with key lime and vanilla.
1: He's drinking it. We're going to have to do a podcast if we can never meet together again where we just drink all the beers we couldn't try because we
3: weren't recording in person. What beer can't you try because we're meeting in person? We're we, not meeting. we
1: passed it around like animals. Oh, right? yeah. Just yeah. like beasts uh, at a trough. We all got in there.
3: Yeah. Someday we'll Times. Some yeah, We were really asking for it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, our hubris so, is what caused this, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that, like, that's a really interesting beer. And when, when we get back together and share beers like we've never heard of a virus before. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to, to get everyone else's opinion on this. So I actually think the key line is too strong up front. Um, and I generally have this criticism of key lime. I think it's too much on the front end, but what they've done here to not make it so overpowering and obnoxious is they've gone a little overboard on the vanilla. And so it really, mm. really does smooth out on the back end. So like, if you like a key lime pie, for example, sometimes the custardy filling is like a little bit too much, but then the like mousse or cream on top really smooths things out. And that's exactly what the vanilla's done here. Um, the key lime's too much, so I think this is probably a four for me. If the key lime mm-hmm. was back down a little bit, it'd be a five. So, wow.
3: nice.
0: it a four. Um, I will mark it accordingly. I really like
3: key lime pie, man.
0: I do too. Frozen <laughs> key lime pie. If you're gonna eat a key lime pie, eat that shit cold.
3: <laughs> Interesting. That's
0: the rule. It's a okay. rule,
3: Ross. Okay, um, I, I'm not an. Ex- I'm not versed in the lore of key lime pie. You are now. My
1: yeah, <laughs> All right. Well, uh in this segment, uh, we are in Asking X six, where you ask us a question. Uh this week, Chris Reed asks, what is the single greatest, most absurd thing from the Trump presidency? Was it Spicer hiding in the bushes four seasons, Rudy Giuliani's hair dye? What was the most clear moment where it was the most clear that the other timelines existed and we were simply in the most absurd, ridiculous one? Um Chris, you really hit the nail on the head here because I started thinking about this and I realized that everything I thought of because I'd been thinking about it for like two minutes happened in like the last two months. Right. Because, um, and like, damn, there's just so much to choose from.
0: And for, for the sake of argument, let's take off the table all of the actual hideous, insidious stuff like yeah. children in cages. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: oh, yeah, definitely, definitely taking right.
3: that off.
0: But we're going for sheer absurdity here. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Ross?
3: Um, this is actually uh, from a while ago, um, thousands of years ago, 2017, I think. Um, so, because uh, I remember, they, they, like, one of the first things was get rid of the ACA because that's their, you know, fuck you all and I hate Obama. In um, the, the the absurd thing was the only reason the ACA lived was it came down to a floor vote in the Senate, and fucking John McCain, who was dying of cancer, did a last minute uh, reverse heel turn, I guess, and voted nah fuck i he hated trump more than he hated the aca <laughs> and that's the only reason i have health insurance right now as a freelancer is because john mccain was a petty spiteful man who was fighting another petty spiteful man and he bombed uh,
1: that bill like it was a vietnamese glass factory yeah. <laughs> like his own
3: play <laughs> he <laughs> crashed it <laughs> uh, like his own play so like that that was it like i mean that's something you would write in a, in a TV series or something that, that it was the, the character's ego, like it was not coming down to like the GOP just doing this one thing. He's like, no, I'm just going to do this. Cause I really don't give a shit and nobody can stop him. And like, it, they never could come up, muster the votes or whatever to do it again. Uh, Cause like after that, was the 2018 uh, midterms and the house was retaken. So like, yeah, that, that for me was the most absurd thing. Cause it was, one positive at all too, just utterly fucking cinematic, which is, this is not, it's absurdist. It's surreal. So yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah.
0: What do you got Spencer? It's so hard. It's so incredibly it's really hard. And mm-hmm. What Ross just described is so interesting. And I remember at the time thinking it was one of the most significant moments of my political lifetime.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And within days like the silence, I had forgotten that it existed, and mm-hmm. that is the only way I can think of the Trump presidency. So things that stand out over the last four years, which to me suggest that they merit some pres- some some uh, specific distinction. Um, Trump's doctor, uh, the man who looks like uh, Data's character in Independence Day, got stung by a bee. <laughs> uh claiming that Trump cruise ships yeah yeah Mm -hmm. the guy fucking rules yeah claiming that Trump uh Trump has is like the healthiest man in the history of the world um uh, I don't know I don't know no that honestly feels so uh normal and like an accidental tweet thing that that he leaned into Cofefe was honestly probably the smartest thing he did in four years um De- defending Kufayfay? Maybe, um, maybe Shithole Countries. Mm. Uh, that one really stands out to me. Um, that one felt like a lot. When when he called um, Stormy Daniels horse face, um, <laughs> which, by the way, is like, I guess at some point if you're mudslinging with a porn star that you paid <laughs> to have sex with while you were married, like, I guess... <laughs> I guess at some point your only hope is to act like a seven year old who has like a like an overly expansive vocabulary. Um I oh. very fine people on both sides is probably like peak uh peak bad uh in terms of absurd things he said. I, I think I, I think I know what your problem is,
1: because I had the mm-hmm. same one. Can I can I diagnose yeah. here? Mm-hmm. All right. So I went through like Kofifi. I went through uh like calling John Kelly's son a cuck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and John Kelly would be like, I respect your
3: opinion, sir.
2: <laughs>
3: that
1: yeah. Was, that was great. Uh, man. Oh, God, there was just so much of it. Uh but like that's cerebral. Like Spicer hiding in the bush. Actually, it was the biggest thing ever. Uh, I meant to say Kofifi. Well, I didn't mean it that way about his son. Um that that stuff like involves like an understanding. Um, so then I went into more like Stuff that wasn't really him, like uh, Conway's kid breaking that they had COVID on TikTok, <laughs> uh, subsequently suing TikTok, <laughs> uh, all that shit. Uh, but then I'm like, well, that's not really Trump himself. So what do you do? And what I realized is this is like I was going more satirical, but we mean absurdist. And the absurd is truly in your face. The absurd speaks in a single instant. It speaks in the image so I had to go with the image here. So I, had, I got down to two runners-up. My mm-hmm. honorable mention is I'm so proud to give these professional sports athletes McDonald's.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then he's just so proud in mm-hmm. front of the banquet of McDonald's mm-hmm. and, like, smiling in a way that his trollish joy I know is the only thing that cracked his heart. But I had to realize, like, then I had to, like, think about, like, LeBron James ever eating a hamburger uh, or a (laughs) (laughs) anywhere, and, like, the absurdity of what that looked like. Still too cerebral. So you need the max absurd images. And I know this makes you a prisoner of the moment, but it's true. When he got COVID, got hospitalized, came back, and said he was fine in a press conference while his face was exploding. You didn't need to hear the words. You didn't need to know he got COVID or what disease was. You just needed this weird shelf-shaped fat man in a suit with half of his face swollen up like the fucking kid from *Midsummer*, (laughs) saying that he's fine. It's all fine. It's just fine. That was absurdism. The image of it. Like, I Mm instant Dolly would have painted Trump that way, and it would have been surrealism. Um, So, yeah, that's the one that speaks to me at the most base level. Yeah. Um, Spencer, Uh,
0: I I think you're right. You've unlocked something. Uh, Him showing people that he could drink water. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah yeah you can't intellectualize it too much then it gets into yeah. the realm of satire yeah um,
0: I just I felt that moment deeply in a, in a real like guttural way when everyone cheers yeah,
1: yeah. he drank yeah. Like, as, he's uh, drink, he as he's just drink as he's holding water. up a cup Right. yeah that's like from a Beckett play that's great right, yeah.
3: Spencer can I I can, I can give you a backup one uh, yeah an alternative um, the orb how could we I mean we obviously oh yeah the orb the orb <laughs> again just with the saudi arabian leader and those other guys they're all touching the orb god if you wanted a photo you're like this is this is the shot in the movie where it's like yeah trump's the bad guy here's the illuminati shot (laughs) like this is it it's the orb but they all especially the saudi arabian guy just looks kind of like kind of confused like god the orb um yeah so yeah well that was a
0: a trip down memory lane. I won't assign a value <laughs> to it. Uh, thanks so much for the question, Chris Reed. Hope you're doing well. And on that note, uh, Caleb's going to grab a beer. And on the other side, we're going to get your number two vote getter in, which was the mix six Mock draft. Caleb, what are you drinking?
1: I don't know how I got this. Good sign. I don't remember. Very uh-huh. good sign. Uh, I'm drinking the Carlsberg. It's a premium mm-hmm. Danish Pilsner. Yeah. Uh, it's my understanding that this is the <laughs> Bud Light of Scandinavia. So it's not exactly crafty, but mm-hmm. imported,
3: I guess. Mm-hmm. Technically.
0: All right. Technically.
3: I mean, either it is or it isn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's a pill. It... It's the thing someone gives you and they're like, oh craft beer. I found this at an antique mall. And they give you a Carlsberg.
3: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, um, are you familiar with these, Spencer? I, yes. I,
0: I
1: wish yes. I'd found this in an antiques mall. I would ha- I would know more about its providence. Um right. <laughs> It tastes like a Pilsner that's older than it should be. Mm. I don't know how. I don't know like if it doesn't taste like it's turned. It's just like not at full point it's like pilsner with the volume turned down which didn't didn't need to happen i didn't need i didn't know it would go that low no um but yeah right. that's a it's a two it's not
0: offensive mm-hmm. yeah so. but it but it almost is um <laughs> by its very existence um hey we're into the mix six mock draft which is your number two vote getter and turtle wants us to draft support positions at a school So superintendent, secretary, lunch staff, guidance counselor, and truancy officer from crime scene show characters. So we're going to make an assumption this means police procedurals in general and not just CSI programs. So we are about to draft a team of school support positions from police procedurals. Um, Caleb, you want to start? Uh, Sure. Uh,
1: Superintendent. Uh, you're you're rarely gonna see him due to personal problems, right? Because he's gonna be zooted up or like a sex freak or some other business weirdo, like every other superintendent on the earth for the most part. Uh, there's there's some exceptions, but most of them are people who didn't want to teach. Um, so they also gonna think they're really cool when they talk about it. So I'm thinking that your average like big school superintendent is best represented by David Caruso uh, in <laughs> CSI Miami. Like he's the kind of guy who rolls in at the very beginning of something, takes his glasses off and says something he thinks is cool.
2: Mm-hmm. A You're a all just supposed to
1: kind of laugh by ritual and then you will not see them again for the remainder of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone so, on the team actually has no idea that he works there.
1: Yeah, it's a real, um, it's a real Horatio Kane situation where it's like, yeah. oh, his contract got too expensive. We'll we'll just he'll has to do the punchline and then
0: yeah. we'll give it to the other ones, whoever they are.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm of the opinion that to be in super superintendent, especially of larger districts, you have to have two things: one, an unreasonable tolerance for alcohol, and two the ability to play the game when the right people are in the room. And so as I thought through police procedurals, who reminds me of both of those? It's Bill Tench from Mindhunter. Uh, So not, not the actual interesting person in Mindhunter, but rather his bureaucratic partner who goes to dinner parties, knows the right people, rubs elbows, and then keeps the thing moving forward while smart people do incredibly weird. Everyone he work.
1: works with as uh, freaks and weirdos. He has nothing. And in he with.
0: hates everyone around him. That's <laughs> exactly right. Um, so I will go Bill Tench. Uh, okay. Secretary. Also known as admin these days, by the way.
1: I'm going to, this is my deep cut. Officer Clawhauser, which is the name of the police secretary in Zootopia. So, Law enforcement, oh. a law enforcement film. It, they have to stop. They have to get mm-hmm. the predator drugs that are rampaging through the streets. And and Judy Hops is on the case, uh, but has secretarial experience in uh-huh. in high stakes environments. Right, 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 right. Uh, I mean, work if they worked at a police station, they'd probably know a lot of the kids parents. So there's that.
0: Uh, so, a lot, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, li- I like to put your heads up here because um, the reality is, like, if you've been in a large school setting, one of the things you learn is that the admin staff actually make the train run. Like, uh, so much of the bureaucracy that happens in a school building uh, is managed by smart, competent admin staff who know enough to keep the keep the wrong people out of a conversation and just tell the right people what they know to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, and, and, are, still, so-
1: and are still mostly, like, pleasant and like nice to be around despite having the worst job on the planet. So
0: right. And, and where, seems capable. yeah right. America. And that's where I, you may have me here, because I actually think uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock um, <laughs> would be a, a fine admin because the best admin folks that I've been around and worked with were short to the point, did not want to deal with your bullshit and had been there 45 years too long. They were just waiting for that pension to come home, so they did not bear your idiot idiotness. Like, move on, get the fuck out of my way. Here's what you need to know. Please keep moving. And I think you need someone who's relatively wry and can put someone in their place quickly, as good admin can. Uh, Lunch staff, Caleb?
1: Uh, I just want to recreate his work in another film but christopher maloney's character from svu <laughs> he just needs to work in the kitchen and you wet know hot why. american summer yes. and you know why it's because Absolutely. of wet hot american summer and hopefully Absolutely. he will revert and be yeah. the best
0: i it's an extra topical consideration but i don't care yeah <laughs> only a man so uh lunch staff are notoriously abrupt and rude and it should get to the point if they've done their job where you don't even want to try to talk to them So who is deplorable, loathable, and untalkable to? Marty Hart from True Detective, which is Woody Harrelson's character. Can you imagine asking him for an extra piece of meatloaf one time? Like one time, you don't ever mow another man's yard. And then he just breaks the tray. uh, And that's how you get out of school the rest of the day. He hit you with the broken tray. (laughs) Um, And so that feels like peak, move the line, get your fucking food, take your corn and get out of here, idiot. Oh um, okay.
1: Did we roll for first? Because I know what my answer is for this one.
3: I think for I'm guidance I counselor?
1: Yeah. Go for it. It's Russ Cole. Ah! Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I hope I didn't steal that from you. But... You did not. I thought Okay, good, making... good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. look. Look, it's all headed that way anyway. Let them know early. Let them make an informed choice. Don't fill their head full of bullshit. It's all just... Yeah. We're all just swirling around the day. It's a big gutter in space, kiddo. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, do drugs, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I went a slightly different route. I went uh, Watson, specifically Martin Freeman's John Watson, because I thought Martin Freeman was absolutely great in Sherlock. And here's what I like about this: he'll be like the one guidance counselor in America who is like, "Don't join the army," which is exactly <laughs> what guidance counselors need to tell more students. Um, He'll pull a gun out of the desk and just look at it while talking about how he got injured in the war and he can't sleep at night. And that kid will go on to be the world's best computer programmer, bless up, John Watson. Yeah, but then he's going to go out partying with your secretary and solving mysteries and shit. That's great. Bingo, bingo. Now I also have a highly effective uh, detective duo solving my town's problems. The kids are going to listen to his
1: ass though. He's like, don't join the army. It's terrible. And he's like doming crooks and like out <laughs> fencing and shit on the school roof. It's going to look awesome. Like, Do you think they were doing a lot of fencing in Sherlock? Look, I don't care what era of Sherlock you're going for. Fucking Watson's doing some cool shit. All right. He's going to make the army look great. It's like until a Michael the, Fassbender give an anti-smoking ad. I just desperately uh, want to smoke now. He's has gone. Until the admin embarrasses him. Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> truancy officer. Caleb.
1: Well, my initial impulse was like ineffective because I've never met a truancy officer I particularly liked, and I don't think anyone has. Nope. Uh, but so I won't like I was gonna go with like Barney Fife for something, but but maybe the reason I don't respect truancy officers is because it's because they're, they were hand-tied by the system. You know, the, they were going by the book. They needed to be let off the chain so they could be real effective. So I'm like, what's a truancy officer I would have to respect? Mm-hmm. So I went with Ed 209, just the, <laughs> the Gatling gun robot from RoboCop, which is technically sentient if you get into the RoboCop TV show, uh, but it does just like to shoot things that don't obey. So that's, that's a truancy officer you have to respect
0: at 500 rounds per minute. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I took a different path. Um, <laughs> so uh, I went for Gil Grissom from the OG CSI. Uh, and here's the idea. Guy shows up at your front door. He's like, why aren't you in school? They're like, oh, I'm sick. Grissom whips out his CSI kit music starts playing and motherfucker has CSI'd your house to determine you're not actually sick. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, And so he's an effective truancy officer because he always knows you're lying. Um, And and in some ways that's what you need out of a truancy officer, because I think to your point, most of the truancy officers I've interacted with have been a bunch of fucking Barney Fife's. Uh, And it's like, well, don't, that's not doing anything for anybody, including Barney Fife over here. But you Um, see Ed
1: 209, you know, it's already too late.
0: That's true. I thought you were going to say something like Shaft. And I was like, oh, (laughs) Jesus. That's terrifying. Yeah. Um, Samuel L. Jackson just shows up at your door. (laughs) Get to school, fucker. Um, Okay. Uh, Don't forget, you can vote for your favorite mock draft team, hashtag team uh, team Caleb, hashtag team Spencer. And on that note, Ross is going to get a beer, and we're coming back for Drunk Enough.
3: Spencer, what are you drinking? Not me. Uh,
0: nothing, nope. but Producer Ross
3: might be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fine. Uh, I am drinking from Left Hand Brewing Company. I've uh, never done. It's my first day. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Galactic Cowboy in Imperial Stout Nitro. Uh, so yeah, this well, We is know not- how Spencer feels about that. I'm nope. interested. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. You know what the problem is? Nitro. Uh, I like shit left-hand does, uh, and I would probably be into this beer, but for the part where they ruined it.
3: Ross? No, I, I quite like this, actually. Uh, it's making me rethink nitro. It's good enough that it makes me rethink about my position on nitros because I'm, I'm generally um, – it's got a very, very strong coffee and chocolate flavor, but not like sweet chocolate, like, like dark chocolate kind of flavor to it um flat dark chocolate maybe yeah yeah but it's it's rich uh it's a rich flavor and actually it height like even though it's nine percent it's a nine percent beer like um i don't really taste the alcohol in it Mm. Mm.
0: like maybe it's uh like it all of the flavor's
3: gone out of it no it's actually very flavorful (laughs) like um what are you doing questioning him if he's been satanic rituals abuse the at a,
1: witness yeah like what is this a daycare yeah. in the 80s what are you doing it's like on a scale of one to ten how guilty are you just all right like, calm down I mean, if how you general- want a
3: higher alcohol beer that doesn't overwhelmingly taste of alcohol like this is a really nice one i think um yeah <laughs> like i i don't know i mean uh I, I, like yeah it's, it's don't let him
1: talk you down ross What's no no I'm gonna, I'm,
3: I'm gonna give this a four uh right. i I, right. I think it's i think if you want like a stout uh something a little different something like it's um the texture's really good the 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 flavor's really good um very minimal alcohol taste for nine percent i mean there's still some you can still taste it but like um, just, I, I really like that dark chocolate taste to it. Uh, and the, uh, and, and the coffee too, like coffee and chocolate, mm-hmm. I think really go together. So, uh, in just in general. So, um, uh, I think it goes really well in the stout and, yeah. uh, yeah. this is a good execution of it. So, uh, I don't think the, the nitro element of it doesn't really bother me in this case. I think it actually works.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also like my beers that taste like flat tires. So I get that. Um, Hey, we're in drunk life. enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Caleb. What are we What are we talking about here? It's like talking
1: to a Nixon appointee in Watergate. <laughs> Just the talking points over and over and over again <laughs> about the nitro. Just we're gonna have to have a like a Spencer a, Frost, a, a, bu- a Buckley Vidal debate about nitro at some point. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, drunk enough. The pandemic has cut a lot out of our lives, as we all know. Um, and if we're going to assume that this shit ever ends, uh, we can do the whole, like, what are you going to do if you get out, uh, Sarge, start a bar. Like we we can do the, what am I going to do?
0: The Shawshank Redemption kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought more interesting might be, let's do the thing that we're most excited to go do. And the thing that you are not actually going to start doing again, because there's a bunch of stuff that, um. I've cut out of my life that I'm not going to bring back into it. So I don't know if that's just me, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what, like, what's, like, your, so what's your like thing and examples. that you're definitely going back to, and the thing that you are mm-hmm.
3: not going back to? Yeah.
1: What are you
0: not going back to? I'm curious. Like, I don't think I'm shopping anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, definitely never going grocery shopping again.
1: Yeah, like ever. No, and, like, you... the thing is, it's, like, the reason I didn't do that before is because, like, I don't like Amazon. I have Prime for the streaming, and I never bought anything on it. I like going into a physical store and seeing things on occasion. Um, and I'm not saying I'm never going to go to, like, a bookstore or a board game store or something ever again. But, like, mm-hmm. groceries, the mall, mm-hmm. video mm-hmm. games, electronics, computers. Pretty much everything. I'm just going to order it online now, mm-hmm. forever more. Because yeah, the retail therapy. I used to get. Um, I'm I'm not going to give that up for bookstores and board games when I can go there safely, uh, because that's a different kind of joy. But like new clothes, the return policy is not that bad. I'll just guesstimate the sizes and do it. I don't yeah. think I'm going out to shop like ever again. I'm ordering groceries online and going to pick them up. I, I, yeah. And I hate being that way because I know it's a wildly less healthy for the environment. And I know that it's worse for workers in a ton of ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I also didn't get a choice to participate in it. Like it's literally, it's literally the harm reduction option for this shit. Mm-hmm. And like pff, until that changes, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so I don't think I'm going back to stores again which is something yeah. that's weird. I used to like
0: shopping for stuff. But. I did a lot of grocery shopping um, and just like other shopping, I guess. Uh, but I'm with you. Like, I won't really do that anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, we've we've had our groceries delivered for the last eight months. And honestly, I'll continue to get my groceries delivered or do the pickup thing, one, one thing or the other. I guess I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> uh, I, going back to the office is going to be like I was always kind of a work from home guy. I mean, we have an office and I would go every day for the most part. And some days I wouldn't. Um, And I'll go back because like, I do miss my team and I'd like to see people. And I believe there's an energy to all of that, but like, I'm not going to go back to the office. Like I used to go to the office Uh, and I'll be more productive and happier for it. I'll I'll be a more effective team member uh, under that rubric. Um, Other than that, I don't, this is a tough question for me. I am a prisoner of the moment, and honestly, like, I think had you, maybe we even talked about this, like, two or three months in, I still had some, like, hindsight on what we were doing and what I was having to do now because of this in-the-moment thing, and so everything felt very, felt very stark and contrasty, and now, eight months, almost nine months into this, to me, it's kind of like, hmm, this just kind of feels like normal now, and I'm pretty okay with 85% of it uh, in, in terms of my lifestyle and routine.
3: Ross? Um, it's interesting because like my experience I, I I uh when it started, like I did some of the uh, ordering gr- groceries online and like either having delivered or do pickup or whatever. And that didn't really work out because like the substitution got to be really annoying for me, uh, in terms of like, it didn't get the right type of the thing that I wanted. And it's not like, uh, it's, it was just enough that like grocery shopping isn't been a factor for me. I still grocery shop in person, but, uh, I know the thing that I'm going to change more than anything else is that like before the pandemic, I ate out a lot. I did a lot of drive through I did a lot of takeout. And I have cut that back by like 80, 90% since then. And I, I cook at home almost every night now. Or I I cook at home or have the leftovers from previous nights. And like I don't that's better for me. <laughs> that's like better healthy. That's better for me just in general. So like I'm just gonna keep doing that um from now. So that's gonna be the biggest thing um is is uh i think the biggest change in terms of work habit obviously like recording podcasts online versus in person that that's going to like you know versus i i do miss re- getting around a table and recording a podcast with people so um that's one I mean, of the
0: things that i want back the most mm-hmm. honestly uh yeah like, like i got this, this all worked
2: it,
1: mm. i got this idea because everyone's talking about like industries like because you know mm-hmm. it's the only thing we can report on is Businesses and money and shit. Um, And like they were talking about like industries that would not come back. And like they were predicting things that like cruise ship industries and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of them was movie theaters. And I'm not like even debating them being wrong about that. I'm not even debating the premise that like movie theaters probably aren't going to survive this shit. Mm -hmm. But like I just read it. I'm like I've thought multiple times about doing one of those rent out a movie (laughs) theater for $150 Mm -hmm. things for
2: myself. Yes. like
1: not yes. really inviting anybody just right going to go watch a movie by myself and paying that much for an experience. Cause I love a theater yes. and like that is like, and then there's a ton of things you think about that are like things I am definitely going to do when I can. And like, there's been all these tweets there's like a, when my pandemic's over, I'm going to do and like all that mm-hmm. shit. Um, And we all think about that. And I was thinking about the way in theaters, but I, I also thought it was more interesting to think about it in ways of like what, what industries of your time or or hmm. belief system uh have failed what the markets have decided in your life isn't going to come back uh because of this stuff so for me it was definitely shopping i don't think that's coming back um i don't think I'm, i i hope i'm not going to eat out as much as i did and uh, i want uh, to put a pin i want
0: to i want to i want to put a i want to put a helicopter on that landing pad for a second yeah. if you've never been to springfield missouri you cannot possibly fathom how much fast food, carry out, takeout, indoor. You cannot fathom the amount of restaurants we have. At one point, we had the most restaurants per capita, I think, of any city in the fucking country. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly the most fast food or damn close to. It might be you like
1: 60, like restaurants and dining might be like 50, 60% of the economy
0: in, in the city. Like, if you and I it's assume like, it's like tuition and fast food are like <laughs> yeah yeah sort of 95% of Springfield's revenues um uh there I imagine 30% of these places like don't come back and honestly like mm-hmm. um that's part of the bit here a little bit for me you know yeah. what I mean like uh we don't we don't yeah. need 13 Walmarts we don't need 17 Wendy's or whatever the fuck we have um uh now I get that there are reasons for these things and I have food deserts and all that bullshit but that they're not solving the problem here people <laughs> um yeah. You, if you've not been to Springfield, it might be hard to fathom like what it means to not go out and get food because it is the way in this town
3: <laughs> yeah uh, uh, what what what, what uh, sort of related uh, one one thing I saw this tweet yesterday I put it uh, on the Saturday you take a look at it uh, in New York City uh, and I assume in other big cities uh, there's been an adaptation uh, to create you know outdoor dining is okay. so um let us create. But the elements, oh, no, those exist. We should shelter from them. So uh, restaurants are creating these wooden structures on the sidewalks that could be, uh, you know, almost considered buildings. So, like, kind of defeating the whole purpose of having uh, uh, that. So I think some restaurants are certainly going to survive this, like the idea of dining. Because, again, there's enough assholes that it's going to survive. But, like, God what the fuck um yeah
1: we reinvented buildings
3: we reinvented buildings that are shittier and are fire hazards because (laughs) those power cords frayed power cords coming from the restaurant uh to turn the heater and the the fans (laughs) and shit uh are certainly very safe um but um yeah i mean i think the thing is we're not going to see like if you think about the, the historical example of the 1918 pandemic, like nothing fundamentally changed in the, after those two years. And there's a lot of examples between uh, uh, parallels between the 1918 and this pandemic. And we just kind of memory hold it. And we just went on. So like, I think there's going to be a lot of personal changes, but I don't think there's going to be societal. The only, I think work from home is going to keep as a trend but I don't think like restaurants are gonna disappear as an idea. I think theaters are just gonna be restarted under new companies um after the uh, pandemic. Yeah, ends. yeah.
1: And I didn't even mean to get distracted. Like when I say I'm not gonna go shopping, I don't think stores are going away. I just yeah. don't think it's bullshit. I'm gonna take hap- my time to yeah. like I know I could change my oil and I should in many ways. Mm-hmm. But I also know it would be faster mm-hmm. and worth Less my stressful. money not to do it myself for my mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And, like, shopping was never one of those things. It made me feel gross and bougie. Uh, and it still does, but you made me do it for eight months because you can't fucking understand basic levels of hygiene. So, fuck it. I'm I'm going to go drive through and get my groceries. Right. <laughs> like, it's not my time anymore. It's practically free, like, with the, with the apps they have now. And, um, yeah, so, like... Yeah, I meant it in the personal way. Like what mm-hmm. are you personally probably not going to engage with?
0: Um, yeah. Shopping is a good one. And, and I'm sure there are other things that I haven't really, like um, I miss bars. I, I genuinely miss being oh, able yeah. to go Definitely to a bar.
1: To go back to list.
0: Yeah. And socialize. And like I can't tell you how much I miss like our Saturdays where we would record at like 11 or 12 and then just go to Adobe's or Big mm-hmm. Whiskey's or what the fuck and just go for it. Um, mm-hmm uh that is like number one on my bucket list when this is all over like go to a fucking bar um i have really found a new love for outdoor bar spaces so beer gardens um places that have big patios Mm -hmm. open air venues and i was one to kind of like uh uh hunker down around like a shuffleboard table which absolutely i will play more shuffleboard but i have really enjoyed just being in outdoor spaces—I mean, you know, sitting on a back patio somewhere anymore—like has a totally new meaning to me, and I want to do more of that. When when this does when this doesn't mandate that in some ways, so um, yeah, it's an interesting question, and I'm hopeful that we're getting closer to something that looks like something else. Yeah, and as yeah. in as much as I don't care to use specific words, yeah, we're um,
3: about—I about, think we're about halfway through. Uh, if we follow the 1918 pandemic as an example, so uh. yeah.
0: And halfway is better than where we were when we weren't halfway. Um, (laughs) My
3: father
1: told me to follow the example of the 1918 pandemic. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's coming up. Yeah. It's coming up. Remember
3: son. Yeah. (laughs) Just follow that.
0: 1918. (laughs) Um, Well, on that note, Hey, if you've been listening to this, we hope that you're a new listener and you stuck it out. Uh, If you're not a new listener and you stuck it out, hey, thanks for sticking out another one. We really appreciate it. And if you're a backer of any level, thank you so much for your support. Don't forget, if you like this but you're not yet a patron of The Mix Six, just go to patreon.com. Look for The Mix Six podcast. You can sign up to get tons of additional content delivered right to your inboxes and in your podcast streaming applications multiple times a month. So if you just want more of whatever this is, there's an easy solution here, folks. Download the Patreon app, and it's all yours. If you're not following us on Twitter, check us out at The Mix 6. You can also find us on Facebook.com. We have a page and a group. There's some stuff up on YouTube. That's Y-O-U-T-U-B-E.com, not any of the other tubes. Just look for The Mix 6 Podcast. There are pictures on Instagram. They were posted at a date. Uh, and if you forget any of that, just look at www.themixed6.com. That's our website where you can find all of this and more. We hope you're healthy. We hope you're safe. Thanks so much for your time, your energy, your attention to The Mix 6 Podcast. I'm Spencer.
1: If the world ever gets you down out there, remember what we said at the beginning of the podcast. There will be additional time.
0: (laughs) Other days
3: are after today. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: You are welcome.
3: Uh, All right. You
0: are welcome. Uh, Mm -hmm. And with that, your enlightenment, we go away. (laughs) (laughs) You're enlightened, we go away. We go away now. (laughs) Inch (laughs) up.